Hi, I'm Steve Clements, and I have a question. Is Wall Street rigged to favor the rich and powerful against the small investor? Let's get to the bottom line. The New York Stock Exchange is the biggest stock market in the world, dealing in trillions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of people look to it to make money, whether they have $1 to invest or billions. Earlier this year, individual investors got together online, especially on the website Reddit, and coordinated an investment in GameStop all together. That's a company that sells gaming merchandise. They shot the company's stock up from about $20 a share to almost $350 a share in a few weeks. That means if you had invested $10,000, you'd have already made $200,000 in 20 days. Since then, of course, the price went up and then it went down a bit. They did something similar with the movie multiplex theater chain AMC Theaters. I love the theaters. But what they found is that the hedge funds and big companies they were rallying against actually made hundreds of millions of dollars, as if the rules don't apply to them. So is it any wonder that household investors wonder if the game is rigged against the little guy? Is it like a casino where the house always wins? Should the public trust the markets? And what are the regulators doing? Fortunately, we're joined today by people who have all the answers. Richard Vague, Secretary of Banking and Securities in the state of Pennsylvania, which regulates the financial institutions in the state. He's the author of a lot of books on the economy, most recently an illustrated business history of the United States. And Lee Munson, who worked as a trader on Wall Street and moved on to New Mexico to found his own wealth management firm, Portfolio Wealth Advisors. He's the author of Rigged Money, Beating Wall Street at Its Own Game. Gentlemen, it's great to have you both with us today. And Lee, let me just start with you and ask you, you know, just point blank. Are the markets, by their design, rigged against the small investor? I think I would say... If we're having beers, I'd say yes. If you really want to get in the weeds, it's a little bit more nuanced. What you have to remember is that Wall Street has a vested interest in keeping you playing, just like a casino doesn't want you to lose all of its money. But the issue is, is in regulation. The issue is, is in the execution of how Wall Street actually works. So when you're thinking about a time of high volatility or thinking about these Reddit boys pumping and dumping, I think the individual investor has to remember that it's always been a wild area. Regulators, it's always a cat and mouse game. We're always trying to keep up or catch up with what's going on. So for the individual investor, what we call the little guy, they have to think a little bit more like an institutional investor and stop having this mentality that they're just these Main Street people and look at not what hedge funds are doing, which is really just a code word for speculation and gambling and heavily leveraged bets that usually blow up. And then we've got to get back to, you know, what is, say, large pensions do? What does CalPERS do out in California? The big institutions have best practices to prevent their money being taken advantage of, of some of the seedier parts of Wall Street. The problem is, is that Wall Street doesn't message that to individual investors. Wall Street always messages to individual investors that this is a very complex game, this, this is somewhat like a casino, and you have to keep coming back every single day to get more and more information that's really completely useless. And I think that once you look through that different lens and have that paradigm shift and think, I'm going to start thinking like a pension fund, because in general, we don't see pension funds getting duped by Wall Street as much as individual investors. Well, before I jump to, to Richard and ask, you know, what should we have in place by way of good governance? And, and you know, I want to just, just go one step further into this, Lee, which is to say, I, you know, I've spent some time looking at GameStop and AMC theaters, which I said I love going to the theaters and want to pay attention. 
But when you began looking at the valuations of these firms, you could no longer talk about the fundamental business performance of those firms or how they'd been impacted by the pandemic. Instead, you were looking at social media hype or you were looking at the claims of big firms like Citadel, which were out to short these companies. In other words, things were going on in the turbulence in media about them that had nothing to do with the fundamentals of those of those stock performance. Where is the SEC in this? And and, you know, when you sort of see the manipulation on all sides, isn't that something that ought to worry us? Even the it wouldn't it worry the pension fund? Well, I would have to say, where was the SEC pre-Reddit? So I know this is going to be shocking because a lot of people don't know this. But back in the day, like before coronavirus, hedge fund managers would get together at private dinners, usually in Manhattan or Connecticut, and you sit around a room and everybody talks up their ideas and they collude, right? It's kind of like, keep your recording devices outside. Let's talk about this. Let's all get together. And this has been going on for 100 years. You know, 100 years ago, we used to call it a bear raid. We've always had different words for it. The difference this time is that now the SEC can't ignore it. It's no longer a small group of moneyed people who go in with rich people's cash and make leveraged speculative bets. It's average people who got money from the Treasury, from all those stimulus checks, and they're doing it out in the open. And this is a very different thing for regulators, because now all of a sudden they can see who's doing it, um, and now they're finding that there's thousands and thousands of thousands of traders doing what hedge funds have done all along. And so I think that it's realistic to expect the SEC to say, hey, the virus is literally airborne on what's going on with manipulation. It's not just a small group of people, right? It's widespread. And I don't know, I would hate to be a regulator right now, because what are you supposed to do? Stop free speech. But on the other hand, it's technically illegal to try to, to do some of these bear raids and try to kill these short positions. We need short sellers in the market. I understand that most retail investors do not short stocks, but short sellers are the cops, the true cops of capital. They're the ones that find the bad companies that have problems. And if you start killing them off, one short squeeze at a time, one GameStop, one AMC, you scare them off, and then you don't have anybody in there creating balance. And just because it's esoteric doesn't mean it shouldn't be regulated. Right. Now, Richard Vague, Secretary of Banking and Securities, I'll tell my audience, you used to be CEO of, of, of a bank. Um, you helped create what I call the affinity credit card business. You know, all those points, hotels, planes, that's an industry. You know both sides of the aisle, governance and the private sector. And I know that you're not responsible for monitoring or managing these markets from the state of Pennsylvania, but I'm interested in someone who knows the banking and securities field so well. Are there missing parts of the scaffolding and the you know, infrastructure surrounding investment today that you think we need? You know, being a securities regulator is a hard job. The SEC has a hard job because there's millions of investors out there being creative, inventing new things constantly. And it's hard for regulators to catch up and stay current, much less just cover the waterfront. Uh, so I, I ultimately think that investors need to look out for themselves and be cautious themselves. It's a buyer beware marketplace. Um, it's, it's true, as you said early on, that big clients get better treatment than small clients. 
But that's not just true in the stock market and on Wall Street. That's true in every industry I can think of. So if you're an individual investor, you just need to look out for yourself, do your homework, be aware that manipulation exists and will continue to exist as long as they're going to be in the markets. Well, do you think, Richard, that when it comes to some of the issues around these meme stocks, one of the things we, we're, you, know, you veer into is you look at their business profiles. There's a lot of information about these companies online. And all of a sudden, you see that you know, there's 140% of their stock that is owned by institutions. And you say, how can an institution own 140% of a company's stock? Or what is... What are synthetic shares? There's a whole universe of things out there. And Gary Gensler, the current head of the Securities Exchange Commission, has indicated he wants to come, down, come out and shut a lot of that down, shut down what is called naked short selling. So I guess part of it is to understand that, you know, retail investor or small investor beware the market. But another part of it is whether or not, you know, as, as Lee just said, the SEC prior to this moment had been allowing hedge funds to get away with stuff that really was clearly market distorting. Um, do you have any sense of that from your, from your perch? You know, everybody looks out for themselves. So big institutions look out for themselves. It's not their job or their business to take care of the little guy. So I think folks are justified being concerned. But a lot of the things you're talking about here, whether it's the meme stocks or others, uh, price takes leave of reality. Mm. There are fundamentals in analyzing a stock that lets you know, you know, what the reasonable projected earnings are of, of a company are, what the price should re the range the price should reasonably be in as a result of that. And you as an investor ought to know that. And what folks do here is they chase price, they chase momentum in a way that takes leave of any reality. And it's, by the way, it's not just little guys. I heard a presentation, you know, I'm on the board of a couple of pension funds, very large pension funds. And so I see this in practice. And, uh, you know, even within those hallowed halls, uh, in theory, uh, those folks get carried away by fads and trends as well. I heard a presentation recently where someone was talking about how earnings didn't matter as much as they used to. And of course, that's a warning sign, but they said it with a straight face. Well, Lee, when you interact with your investors and they see, you know, what's been going on in the markets, and, and I, I've taken a, a, a quick dive into your book and I love your work and writing, you, you're basically saying, that in, you know, in this that, you know, to understand how you make money or how you preserve your capital in these markets is to understand, as you said, how pension funds are doing it, understanding what antenna they have um, that are out there and they look at these. So what is the biggest gap between those smart investors that you have outlined and, and how you try to advise your clients um, and the rest of us that are not um, as equally tuned in? I think a lot of it has to do with the generation gap, and I know that's not what people want to hear, right? Young people don't want to hear that they have no experience. They don't want to hear that Bitcoin's fake or that GameStop was a dying company that really should have been sold off, split up, and you know the cash returned to shareholders. Because we went through a recent period last year where we had like a, what was it, a 16-day recession? I don't know any time in the last 400 years, and I studied the markets, 
back all the way back to, you know, the Dutch East India Company. And we rarely have situations where you have this primary blow up, this low, and then it just pops right up with no retesting of it. And what that means is, is that you have a lot of younger people that opened up brokerage accounts. These are people under 40, millennials, who opened up brokerage accounts last year with those stimulus checks, right? This isn't a judgment. This is just a how this sort of came to be. And they could do no wrong. Stocks only go up. Anytime stocks go down, you buy it. And everything is beautiful and cheery. And it's hard when people, you know, I'm 46, right? I'm, 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 I think I'm the young guy here in the room. But I'm still from the old ways and the old days, right? Where, you know, I'm a CFA. You know, we, you, you study the balance sheet. And I was taught that from a very early age. With the advent of the fact that I'm just going to reach, you know, it's like I got everything here, right? People are not going down and to the library and checking out the value line uh, pamphlets that talk about earnings that come out each each quarter and it gets mailed to you parcel post. It's just a video game, right? And so mm. as we've made, Robinhood has made the whole market a video game to a very young set of people. I think that we have to remember that it's gonna end badly, maybe, and those young people are gonna learn the same lessons that the baby boomers today in their 60s learned about 21 years ago in the dot-com crisis, which, you know, things don't go to the moon. And when you have companies that don't make any money, what do you think that's gonna happen longer term? So I think that while I'm concerned about it, I also think the flip side, the silver lining, is we're bringing in a whole group of young investors who are gonna get burned really bad soon so that they might have a chance as they age and, and get into their peak career earnings, they might learn a few things from us old guys like the fundamentals and what a price earnings ratio is and the fact that there is history and the fact that we trade on our phone doesn't have anything to do with human nature. Human nature is the only constant in markets. Everything else you know, is fungible, as we'd say. You know, I've, I've spent some time on YouTube videos watching um, this guy out there. It's called Trey's Trades. I actually don't know his last name, but Trey's Trades. And his argument is there's a mathematics to this that can also work for the small investor. And the mathematics are that some firms are so overly shorted, so many synthetic shares out there, that at some point those, those shares, which are limited in supply, need to be covered. And so that the mathematics, no matter, no matter what the fundamentals beneath that firm are, ultimately will create a payoff in what they call kind of a you know, major short squeeze uh, in this. Um, Richard, is there a flaw in that thinking about looking at the, at, you know, at the other side of it is that the math can go back both ways? There's no flaw in that thinking other than you don't know when it's going to reverse. Mm. And there's any number of folks that I know, many of my friends over many decades, who've seen something that is obviously absurd and irrational and jumped in. And I think the old saying is something like, they can stay irrational for longer than your capital will last. Mm. So even there, I think there's a, there's a buyer beware that needs to be carefully examined. Like let, me, let me put up a, a, a tweet from uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. This tweet reads, for years, the same hedge funds, private equity firms, and wealthy investors dismayed by the GameStop trades have treated the stock market like their own personal casino while everyone else pays the price. I guess the question I have now is one 
uh, is a political one, because if you were both here in Washington, D.C., there is this worry that if you get people that are in the, the governance and regulatory field that are from these markets, it will ultimately uh, further corrupt the system in favor of the big players against the small. So, Lee, I, I'd love to ask you your thoughts on the political dynamics between those, you know, what, what Elizabeth Warren is trying to say is we need people who are not market believers to help uh, run the governance of this country. I, I just, I, I can't even begin to tell you how wrong that thinking is. Nobody wants to burn their own ship down. What casino starts the day off and says, how can we blow up this casino so that nobody comes in ever again? How can we screw the pooch? And we have to remember that the only crazy thing that happened 13 years ago in the great financial crisis of 0809 was not the fact that a bubble was created. Oh, that's always going to happen. It wasn't the fact that there was a housing you know, bubble. Everybody saw it. But that a place like Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns were actually going to burn down their own pirate ship by not thinking about tomorrow and whether their leverage was going to kill them. That was a very one-time event. It occurs every once in a while. But we color our judgment back then. There's still a lot of animosity and resentment about the money that was printed to shore up those banks. And I understand why. But we have to understand that people who work in markets, like me, like other, I, the whole community of, of market professionals, we only want one thing. We want markets to function properly. We want them to be healthy so that we can keep making money. And the very idea that you're gonna bring in people who have decades and decades of experience with markets they want to keep it going and to say, no, they're going to make it corrupt. Because when you have corrupt markets, they don't function properly. And that's what politicians don't get. They do know it, but they want to go to their constituents and say, listen, you never made any money in the market because you don't save any money in the market because you don't believe in the market. So why not bring other people who feel like you and maybe we can kind of shut this down and make it worse for everybody else. You need to have people with three, four, five decades of experience who've seen it all going in there and try to make markets functional. When they're functional, the little guy can make money, the big guys can make money, and the speculators and all the other people out there, you're never going to do anything about them. They're always going to be there. Um, Richard Vake, speaking of people who have seen it all, I know you've seen it all, but is there a danger, you know, as we think about reactions to some of what we've seen in the markets, that we can, you know, do the proverbial throw the baby without, out with the bathwater, that, that we can make mistakes of over-socializing our response to, you know, bubbles. You've written a lot about bubbles in economic crises, almost as if they're just a natural part of what we see. They're unfortunate, but crashes happen, bubbles happen. But what is your counsel when it comes to smart governance? I do not worry about the investment banking industry and banking industry's ability to take care of itself. I do not worry that we're going to bring in some folks from outside the industry who, who are, have sus suspicion about the industry and that that's going to destroy the industry. The industry can take care of itself. I think, frankly, it's healthy to bring in folks that don't have four or five decades of Wall Street or banking experience. Uh, you know, there's a lot of terrific folks that are, you know, either come from the law business, that are either attorneys or have spent time thinking, as Elizabeth Warren has, about this, that, that bring a perspective to the process that 
uh, I think will have value. Do you think, Richard, that we are, given your experience writing about economic crises, do you look at the U.S. economy right now and, you know, maybe these markets as being frothy enough that we ought to be worried about it? You've written about, you know, the, the massive expansion of, you know, loans and debt, private sector debt uh, in, in economies before. Are we anywhere near that right now or do you think we're largely in a healthy place? Uh, now, separate the stock market and the economy because mm. they're two different things. I don't think the economy is in a dangerous place. I think I don't think we've created excess or overcapacity. We've actually got the opposite problem in a lot of sectors right now. So I think the economy's in reasonable shape, needs to heal some more. The stock market's kind of on the north end of the valuation range, no matter which way you look at it. So I, you know, I think there's reason to be cautious about where the stock market's going to go and to be prepared for a correction. Lee, let me give you the last word in this fascinating conversation. But there are new things out there, cryptocurrencies. You mentioned Bitcoin a moment ago. You know, we watched, you know, Saturday Night Live and Elon Musk and, you know, the Dogecoin uh, uh, surge, if you will, this little dog, you know, with a digital currency. What should our investors, looking at some of these new instruments in the wealth game, be worried about? What would you counsel? Stay away from it all? Well, I mean, in general, I'd say stay away from it all. I understand Bitcoin. It's the granddaddy of them all. There's institutional interest in it. And I, I, just because it's fake and not real doesn't mean people are going to trade it, right? And so I think that what the investors need to understand is that these are overall unregulated markets, right? These are things that have no intrinsic value, right? And so they're, they're not cash, they're not a security, they're not anything. They've just been invented out of space. I think what's helpful to when I talk to younger people who are very interested in this hmm. is that I, I remind them that this has happened before, right? We've had things like Beanie Babies or collectibles or things that really didn't have any value that, that suddenly become very valuable. I hate to tell kids because it was before they were born, but Hundreds of years ago, we used to think that tulip bulbs had some intrinsic value beyond growing a pretty flower. And there was tulip bulb mania. So every generation has its own little thing that they get into that's theirs, that they take ownership of. And I think COVID had a lot to do with it. The good part about crypto is it, it's making younger people think about what's money? What is the nature of money? And so that they can maybe learn a little bit as their cryptos blow up about why it is that the dollar, that we can just print right. as much as we want, it's not backed by anything, why is it still the reserve currency? Right. And what do we need to do to keep it a reserve currency? And of course, that suggests that we all believe America should be the, the dominant player in economics going right. forward. Well, Lee, you've just checked off something on my bucket list, which is to have the word, you know, Beanie Babies mentioned on my show. So thank you so much for that. I'd like to thank you both for being with us. Richard Vague, Secretary of Banking and Securities for the state of Pennsylvania, and Lee Munson, founder of Portfolio Wealth Advisors. Thank you both. Thank you. So what's the bottom line? Is Wall Street rigged? Yes. Is this new? No. Insiders, mostly the rich and powerful, or sometimes just the plain greedy, you know, they find creative ways to manipulate the market and make millions, sometimes billions of dollars. People with money usually will do anything to get what they want. And like any market, when someone wins, someone else has to lose. And guess who that is? 
So should folks trust the markets with their livelihoods? They pretend to be fair and free, a product of supply and demand. But come on, that's not the whole story. Be careful out there, folks. And that's the bottom line.